Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. The settlers who arrived at Jamestown and the Plymouth Colony in the early 1600s experimented with socialist communes. Did it work? Was America once socialist? Let's join Pastor Lance Rolston of the History of the Christian Church podcast, who has graciously agreed to share with us his unique views on this remarkable period in North American history. After the disaster at Roanoke Island and the mystery of the lost colony, the next English settlers in America landed in 1607 and called their settlement Jamestown. After a rough start that saw the colony nearly destroyed, Captain John Smith arrived and made moves to make it successful. The colonists were economically organized as a socialist community, requiring all settlers to give all products of their labor to the common store. Individuals had no private property and no economic freedom. This system quickly turned disastrous, bringing famine and starvation. An early historian wrote, quote, It was a premium for idleness and just suited the drones, who promptly decided that it was unnecessary to work themselves since others would work for them, unquote. Smith's threats that if a person didn't work, they wouldn't eat, did little to improve the economic malaise. So, beginning in 1611, Governor Thomas Dale ended the common store, and four years later had the London Company deed 50 acres to each colonist if he would clear the trees and farm it. The injection of private property and economic freedom brought about a dramatic change in Jamestown. The colonists immediately went to work, and guess what? They prospered. The new economic system demonstrated that socialism doesn't work. A similar situation happened among the pilgrims at Plymouth. When they landed on the shores of Cape Cod in 1620 and set up their colony, like Jamestown, they tried to equate Christianity with socialism. Their common store system failed as well. The colony experienced economic disaster. So in 1623, William Bradford, the colony's governor, like Governor Dale in Jamestown, assigned all able-bodied persons a portion of land as their own. Before long, the slothful and unproductive turned from laggards into willing, productive workers. Men who previously had feigned sickness were now eager to get into the fields. Even the women went out to work early. They now took their children with them and happily engaged in labor for their own family. The result was that the following harvest was a tremendous, bountiful harvest, and abundant Thanksgiving was celebrated in America. That's a report from Plymouth Plantation. With the common store, the pilgrims had little incentive to produce commodities other than those needed for their immediate sustenance. But the new system, based on economic freedom, revealed for the second time that when people own their own property, they become energetic rather than lethargic and dependent on others. Socialism can only work if human beings are sinless and always seek the best for their neighbor. Problem is, that person doesn't exist. As both the Old and the New Testament teach, man has fallen. He's a sinful creature who does not seek his neighbor's welfare. While Christianity doesn't advocate a specific economic ideology, its support of human freedom and private property rights provides fertile ground for the free enterprise economic system. Contrary to a socialist mentality that advocates a redistribution of wealth, Christianity encourages productivity and thrift, which often results in an individual's wealth. While Christianity isn't opposed to individuals becoming wealthy, it doesn't promote wealth as an end in itself. Christians have always been expected to use their acquired wealth to God's glory and the welfare of their neighbor, as Martin Luther and John Calvin often made clear. 
Closely related to the dignity of labor and economic freedom is Christianity's concept of time. The British historian Paul Johnson contends that one of Christianity's great strengths lies in its concept of time. Unlike the Greeks, who saw time as cyclical, Christianity, with its background in Judaism, has always seen time as linear. Life and events proceed from one historical point to another. Groundhog Day was a fun movie, but it's fiction. Christianity's linear concept of time led to the invention of mechanical clocks in the Middle Ages. In his fascinating books, The Discoverers and the Creators, venerable American historian Daniel Borston says that for centuries, quote, man allowed his time to be parsed by the changing cycles of daylight and thereby remaining a slave of the sun, unquote. This changed when Christian monks needed to know the times for their appointed prayers, giving rise to Europe's first mechanical clocks. The appointed periods of prayer in the monasteries became known as the canonical hours. Referring to his second coming, Jesus said, Keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This linear concept of time had the effect of Christians seeing time as limited and having an end point. Paul Johnson says this awareness caused Christians, quote, a sense of anxiety about time, which made men dissatisfied by progress, but for the same reason determined to pursue it, unquote. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This time-related anxiousness motivated Christians to make the most of their time economically and religiously. By giving dignity to labor and accenting the spirit of individual freedom, Christianity produced profound economic effects. Johnson says, quote, Christianity was one of the principal dynamic forces in the agricultural revolution on which the prosperity of Western Europe ultimately rested. And it was the haunting sense of time and its anxiety to accomplish, its urge to move and arrive, which gave men in the West the will to industrialize and create our modern material structure, provided the moral code the drill and the discipline, as well as the destination which enabled the unwieldy army of progress to lumber into the future. A person's labor and finances have little dignity when he or she lacks the freedom and the right to own property. The individual has the right and freedom to acquire, retain, and sell his or her property at their own discretion. Private property rights are vital to people's freedom. The two can't be separated. Yet, this most basic truth is not well recognized today. It's rarely taught in public schools, which seem bent on promoting socialism. Promoters of socialism often decry private property rights, arguing that human rights are more important. This sophistry is deceptive, and it lacks historical support, because where there are no private property rights, 
there are also virtually no human or civil rights. What rights did the people under communism have in the former Soviet Union, where the state owned everything? Except for a few personal incidentals, private property rights didn't exist. Not having the right to private property was closely linked to not having the right to the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press. Similarly, what human rights do the people have today in Cuba or China, where property rights are also virtually non-existent? The American Founding Fathers knew that individual economic, political, and social freedom was intrinsically linked to private property rights. Even while still subjects of the British King, they made it clear that property rights and liberty were inseparable. Arthur Lee of Virginia said, quote, The right of property is the guardian of every other right, and to deprive a people of this is in fact to deprive them of their liberty, unquote. That's why when the Constitution was written, its formulators included private property rights in Article 1, Section 8. The Third Amendment gives citizens the right to grant or deny the housing of soldiers on their property. And the Fourth Amendment protects the property of citizens from unlawful search and seizure. But ever since the appearance of Karl Marx's economic and political philosophy, known as communism, private property has been politically attacked. The Communist Manifesto by Marx and Engels, which was written in 1848, says, quote, The theory of the communists may be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property, unquote. Immediately after the October Revolution of 1917, Lenin, the first communist leader of Russia, took the words of the manifesto seriously when he secretly ordered the destruction of all legal documents showing property ownership, making it impossible for former owners to prove title. If we fail to understand that the involuntary coercive nature of socialism and its state programs is utterly incompatible with the economic practices, as the Austrian economist F.A. Hayek argued, socialism fails to tell people that its promises of freedom from economic care and want can only happen, quote, by relieving the individual at the same time of the necessity and the power of choice, unquote. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my property and money? It would seem that some socialists today would answer, well, no, you don't. We'll tell you what to do with that property and money. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calatrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 
30605 and we'll send you a link to the special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.